love to see it. The podcast where we watch TV shows and movies and tell you all about them. I am your host, Space Captain Danielle, and I am joined by two other intrepid crew members here today. I have podcast managing editor Merrick Kay with me today. Hi. Yeah, I'm your best friend and your buddy and your pal. <laughs> your pal in was space. a rescue jetpack. In space, I am. In space. On, on on planets, all bets are off. But in space, I'll I'll be there for you. Just like the friends and friends. <laughs> Just like the friends reunion in space that we're doing right now. It's really good. I am also joined by rescue specialist and actually a social media manager, LB Hunk Tears. LB, how are you today? Hey, I'm doing a little I'm good. Uh, I'm just wondering where we're going. Do we need eyes or not? No, that was unclear to uh, me. I'm so hearing no that eyes. we won't, won't need roads or eyes because it's in space. Okay. So we don't need roads <laughs> okay, for okay, sure. Okay, okay. Um, but wait, but here's the thing. We don't need eyes, but he does have such sights to show us. Right. He does. Um, yeah. Or his dead wife does. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Hello. I mean, it's OK, because, you know, what's fun is to start off a movie podcast with good references from the movie. And of course, today we are tackling a classic. We're kind of doing this because it's my birthday week. I'm not going to lie. I, I was Happy like, birthday. Thanks. It's, Happy birthday. It's not the day yet, but like I tell everyone, all any day this week and next week, you can tell me happy birthday and I will happily say thank you very much. We're watching one of my favorite movies of all time today. It is Event Horizon. At 0300 this morning, TDRS picked up an automated TDRS navigation beacon broadcasting at two minute intervals in Neptune orbit. Neptune orbit. This is incredible. It's the Event Horizon. After seven years in deep space. There were 18 people on board this ship when it disappeared. I want them all accounted for. Opening outer door. It came back abandoned. Any crew? Negative. But it didn't come back alone. Captain Miller! I've got some problems here! What are you telling me? That this ship is alive? I have such wonderful things to show you. Oh my God! You can't leave. She won't let you. And I'm going to read you the Wikipedia description right here. It is a 1997 science fiction horror film directed by Paul W.S. Anderson and written by Philip Eisner. It stars Lawrence Fishburne, Sam Neill, Kathleen Quinlan, and Julie Richardson. Set in 2047, it follows a crew of astronauts set on a rescue mission. After a missing spaceship, the Event Horizon spontaneously appears in orbit around Neptune. Searching this ship for signs of life, the rescue crew learns that the Event Horizon was a testbed for an experimental engine that opened a rift in the space-time continuum and left our universe entirely, allowing a malevolent entity to possess the ship. That's the high-level summary. But really what we have here is a delightful combination of science fiction and horror, which is my favorite combination in like of all time basically i love horror i love sci-fi and i love when they get together and it's actually good and not just like complete schlock i also think this is a movie that rides the line between schlock and like genius filmmaking (laughs) to some degree like it actually rides that line really uh in a really fun way in a really really good way so i wanted to open up with a a question uh the kind of usual question of how many times have you seen this movie and what was your experience this time? So Merritt, do you want to start that off? Yeah. Um, so this movie, I think I caught bits of it when I was a kid, like late yeah. at night on TV. And I was very scared of horror movies as yeah. a child. We've talked about this a little bit before, yeah. but I was just such a baby. I was such an anxious kid, even TV shows that like weren't horror shows, but that were like, characters got into trouble or something i got anxious over um so horror was basically right out also i confused this movie with um with sphere i think because they're both about big ripley spheres that do bad stuff uh but then the first time i actually saw it was with you yeah a couple of years ago and i loved it and i think i might have loved it more the second time around sure. um it's just it's like a haunted house in space and 
you know, people think sci-fi and horror and they immediately go to alien, but this movie does such a good job at not being alien and at doing something else. And, uh, it really is more of a traditional kind of like, whereas alien is like a, you know, monster or like, uh, slasher in space. Uh, this movie is more like, yeah, just like a haunted house in space. (laughs) And I think that's how it was pitched. Uh, and, uh, just like incredible performances, like Sam Neill, big, big star of the show, but Lawrence Fishburne as like the, the captain who, like, I love a horror movie where everyone is competent. Yep. Like, you know, there's something to be said for horror movies where it's just a bunch of idiots and you want to see them get killed, (laughs) but there's also something to be said for horror movies where people are like at least somewhat intelligent and are like oh, no, this situation is incredibly fucked. We're not doing this. But then things, because then it's so much worse when things go wrong anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because you're thinking like, oh, yeah, I would just do this. And like, they do that. And then it's like, uh, yeah, but you, but it's still bad. <laughs> like, you, yeah. you did your best, but bad stuff still happens. So um, I fucking love this movie. Yes. And yes. Uh, also for some other stuff, which we'll talk about later, but uh, it has like an interesting connection to, Another <laughs> fictional universe, appropriately for a movie about crossing dimensions. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. LB, how about you? Have you have you seen this before? I have. Yes. Um, I actually wrote. I can, I'm trying to find it, and I can't find it. Um, I wrote like uh, a whole thing for when I tried to be an astrologer about the movie Event Horizon. <laughs> Whoa. Um, <laughs> Danielle, what's your so this we're watching this as a birthday treat for you. What uh what which what day is your actual birthday? The 13th. It's on uh Saturday. Okay. So you are still an Aquarius. Oh, I sure am. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Cause uh so I did try to be an astrologer at one point okay. and um I couldn't do it successfully because I'm not enough of a grifter. Um <laughs> And wow. I take astrology too seriously, and it made me hate astrology. But none of that matters. What does matter is this is a movie all about the planet Neptune. And in mm. astrology, Neptune is a planet that's all about like being very, it's a very slippery planet. Mm. Um, it's fluid and it's just, it's like, it's all hallucinations, it's all fantasy, it's all like losing track of where you are and who you are I love and that. falling yes. in from, you know, one place to another. Um, Neptune is the modern planet that rules over Pisces, which is the final sign in the zodiac and uh, is the two fish. And in a very, in, you know, in a, in symbolism that I think predates Christianity, but Christianity adopted um fish are a very like trans a big symbol of transformation Mm -hmm. um and being the final being the like the final sign in the cycle so like this is i like this so i i like when i first saw this i was first of all way too high to like make (laughs) sense of it uh but also like globbed onto be like oh neptune yeah this is what it's about like and like and I, I have a hard time with Pisces season. Um, so I'm like, yeah, that Pisces season is just fucking event horizon. And I wrote a blog post about it and I can't find it. But I did write this and that was my first experience with it. And this time I was like, you know what? I have a good idea. I'm going to like, you know, make sure I'm on my ADHD meds. I'm going to take notes. I'm going to watch this movie and like have a smart person experience with it. And then last night I was like, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to do an edible watch event horizon. <laughs> Fuck so yeah. I did the same thing again. It was great. Uh, like yes. the, the, it just, it's so, it's so cool looking. Um, and the, it not being alien point is such a good point because like, it'd be so easy to do like an alien type look mm-hmm. to the space world mm-hmm. and to these ships. Um, and they just don't. And it, they, but they, the designs are so weird. And this fucking like, yeah, the the draw the engine drive sphere thingy uh, on the event horizon that you talked about when you talked about the summary. Like it's so fucking cool looking. And the like eye shaped passage. You know what I mean? The like Ooh, yeah. way it closes. Yeah. Yeah, it's so cool. The, like the, it's just like, such a cool up looking revolving movie. tunnel that you have to walk through. Yeah. 
And it isn't, and it, what I really, really, really like about a movie like this is that, like, okay, it's 2021 now, right? This is, we're living in a post Tumblr world where aesthetic horror is like a thing and elevated horror is a thing. And this is so not elevated horror, <laughs> but the aesthetics are so fucking cool. And I just like being reminded of that. And yeah. yeah. And also just Lawrence Fishburne, you're so hot. Oh my God. Good yes. for you. Kay. Yeah. Damn. Just like. <laughs> That's all. Damn. Cowboy. What's your name? Curtis. Cowboy Curtis. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> just like, just congrats on being hot for like. 40 years honestly yeah and congrats on being married to gina torres for 16 years also wow great good uh, for them they, they i saw him at a broke up in 2018 once. but oh oh damn. well that's still they had a good run they had a good run 18 years <laughs> i saw him at right aid once and he still looked good this was like in 2014 yeah I, he'll, he'll never he never won't look good yeah he's had so many looks like shit, and they're all good yeah yeah good for you honestly I love him so much. Like, I, this movie, honestly, without like going as hard as it does in several regards, would probably not be nearly as good. But like, the performances go so hard, so hard. Even the kind of minor characters, I really enjoy Mm. them and I really like them. And part of that is the production design and the costume design, which are elements I could never say enough good things about. Like, honestly, the production design in this movie, like, I if it were a complete piece of shit with a bad script, I would still like to look at this. I would I would put it on mute and like just look at this all day. No, I would not put okay. I would put it on mute. I would put on like a <laughs> prodigy album from nineteen ninety seven and I would look at it all day. Funky shit. <laughs> yeah, um, Orbital and Prodigy did like half the soundtrack, which is incredible. <laughs> the, it, yeah, it the nineties vibes are off the charts. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um I want to uh, I want to talk about the the cast before we move into like the the story and Please. everything else. Obviously, Lawrence Fishburne and Sam Neill are like the two leads. Lawrence Fishburne is Captain Miller. He's the commanding officer of the Lewis and Clark, and just like extremely competent, just like very like uh, doesn't take bullshit, and is just like basically making all of the correct moves throughout this movie (laughs) up to and including the point where he sacrifices himself to save the rest of his crew because he's such a fucking good captain. Uh, Sam Neill as uh, Billy Weir, who is the (laughs) designer of the event horizon. And it's just this for most of the movie, just a little squirrely guy. He's a Uh, sad man. He's the saddest sad man. man. Um, (laughs) And then he sort of becomes the villain uh, as it goes on. Uh, you've got Jolie Richardson as Stark, uh, and uh, people might know her from uh, Nip Tuck. Yeah. Uh, she was also in uh, Red Sparrow and uh, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Yes. And uh, she is the child of Vanessa Redgrave. Yes. So that's kind of cool. Um uh, Kathleen Quinlan is Peters, who is the medical technician. Uh, she was in Apollo 13. She was uh, nominated for an Academy Award in that movie. And uh, Richard T. Jones is Cooper, who is maybe my favorite character in this Love. entire movie. Yeah. Uh, just like the sweetest fucking guy. Um, he uh, he's He was on Judging Amy in the 90s or in the 2000s. Uh, and he has been on The Rookie with Nathan Fillion since 2018. Oh, wow. Okay. I get, I will say, I do get Jason Isaacs and Sean Pertwee confused in this movie because they're both white guys with, like, very cropped hair. Beautiful, <laughs> like, beautiful eyes and beautiful and, eyes. And gorgeous, gorgeous. eyes. Like, let's Soulful not mince words here. Eyes. Beautiful, beautiful <laughs> eyes. Uh, Sean Pertwee is uh, Smitty, who is the pilot. And uh, he is Alfred on Gotham. Yep. And um, oh. he's the narrator of MasterChef, The Professionals. And he's <laughs> oh also uh, the uh, the son of John Pertwee, who oh, played the third Doctor Who. Okay. And then um, Jason Isaacs as DJ, who most people probably know from uh, the Harry Potter films, where he plays Lucius Malfoy. Who do I always get him confused with? I always get him confused with another guy who's a similar guy. Oh. <laughs> you know the one. I mean, he just has sort of that generic, handsome, white man, brown hair f- face, you know? And he's in he's a lot of He's just kind of that generic, yeah. handsome English actor in his 50s. 
Uh, not that he's not a good actor, but there are other people who look like that. Yeah, um, like, sometimes you just need the sexy, snaky yeah. British man. Yeah. Um, he's he's very soul charming flies. in this movie, too. And then Jack Noseworthy is uh, Justin, who was in a couple other movies, uh, U571. Uh, he was in Barbed Wire with uh, Pam Anderson. Oh, my God. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> He is Baby Bear, the engineer who oh my God. knew too much. <laughs> yeah. One of the three survivors of this film. Yeah. High survival yeah. count for this kind of movie, I have to say. Yeah. Like the yes. percentage of people who live is like way higher than you'd think. And kind of a surprising selection of people who survive yeah. too. Yeah. Because you think Miller probably is going to. Oh. No. Um, oh. But through his actions... Other people do. I'm so glad that Cooper doesn't die because when I rewatched this movie last night, I was like, I don't remember if Cooper dies or not. And I'm like, please, please don't let Cooper die. Please. That would suck. Um, If both of like the black characters in this movie were killed. I mean, that would make, you know, that's horror. Right. Um, Yeah. But But Cooper has, he's protected by his just like exquisite vibes. He has powerful, powerful (laughs) vibes. And like, which is the the only real way to, survive the, the relationship yeah. he's the rescue technician which honestly cooper is the most danielle character in this movie i feel like <laughs> that's um, why i love him so much <laughs> because he's the guy who goes in to help when things go wrong and uh he always calls uh justin baby bear i mean the other people do that too but he does it the most often he's like i got you baby bear don't worry um and it's just like so sweet and i love it Aww. um but yeah that's most of the cast there's like some people in in sort of minor roles otherwise but um great cast i think oh yeah and they go hard like they genuinely like a movie where it's like derelict spaceship and bad things happen it could be just the most generic shit and a lot of these characters don't have a ton of lines either but they do a really good job actually feeling like a crew that know each other really really well so you get that first scene well the first scene opens on sam neil being very sad uh, because his wife, uh, let's just put a content warning here for yeah for the rest of the episode, for the whole episode, uh, for everything, but also especially like uh, death by suicide. So uh, we see a little bit of him being sad, uh, and then we actually go to the ship uh, and and having the sort of like, all right, we got to do nighttime, you know, we got to do our sleeping in our gravity couches kind of thing, which is a little bit alien. But again, the, this movie does not feel like alien the only parts that feel like it at all are just the kind of fact that they have to go into stasis to go far away you know so obviously the engines How go long fast is the flight that the they flight do is like 57 days or something okay like yeah it's yeah it's a long months. flight so they have to be in their little uh their little liquid capsules basically and we get the sense of this crew that have been together forever uh, they were pulled off of a leave. So they were on vacation. They were supposed to have some time to their families or time to, you know, get laid as poor Smitty uh, is very upset about. He's only had his hand for six weeks and he's very upset about it. Uh, but of course they have to go on this, this rescue mission. So we just get the sense of them and their ship, their ship feels like a home in a lot of ways. Like uh, of course, Smitty has like his posters of like hot pinup ladies and things like that. And everybody kind of has familiarity. Spacey babes. Space babes. Yeah. So this is like, I do remember, doesn't she have like, like kind of a metallic, like spacey, (laughs) but like a 90s (laughs) vision of spacey, like sexy outfit on, but no, but no actual nudity? Yeah. I think she's wearing a bathing suit or something. It's not like porn. It's just like like, a pinup, I think. So it's kind of But it's like a metallic, like, I don't know. I really, like, I really vibe with some of this that like. Yeah. Obviously, like, there's the very cool production design, but then there's things like that where I'm like, I love the 90s. Honestly, yeah. And just that there were so many little touches like this that tell you about this, like, horny guy who's just, like, he's yeah. just a normal guy. And he is, like, a likable character, honestly. He's not, like, being gross. He just loves his pinups. And it's just like, all right, buddy, you you do you and your weird little bunk. Uh, Miller is, of course, already kind of taking charge. And we, we go to sleep and we have, like, a little teaser sequence where uh, where where sad man doctor does see the wife and we get kind of some of our first eye imagery in the movie. And then we kind of go into a scene where we explain the inciting incident. We get this lovely scene. And I remember this scene like crystal clear from the first time I saw the movie. So I was 13 when this came out and I think I saw it 
like as soon it was on video as it was on video. So I think it came out in the summer. And so I probably saw it like when I was 13 in like December or something. And it scared the living shit out of me. But I also was so intrigued by all of it. So I love the sci-fi plot. I love the idea of, oh, they made this experimental engine. And, you know, where is explaining how it works using this pinup as saying like, oh, a straight line, you know, isn't the fastest way between two points. It's nothing if you warp space and he like folds the poster and he does this dramatic thing with a pencil. It also makes Smitty very sad because it's hurting his pinup and and he needs his pinup. We get these little character moments like um, uh, Kathleen Quinlan's character is a mom who was very upset to not have her leave because she's supposed to be spending time with her son. And Miller is like, you know, actually takes a moment to talk to her. He's a really good leader because he takes a moment to like be personal with his crew. Like he he tells them to knock off the bullshit when they're full of bullshit. But then he also is like kind and gentle with them. He's like, I really tried to like get you your vacation. I'm so sorry. This was last minute. Like he's like, he's taking that time. And these are tiny little moments that you would not see in like a lesser movie, right? Like in a lesser movie, they would just be stock stereotypes running around the ship and like, fly the ship. Oh, I'm angry. But it's it's like, all right, they actually feel genuine and lived in as characters, even though this movie got cut down quite a bit. Um, and we we kind of have a lot of excitement. We go to the event horizon and we start to see what a creepy fucking weird cathedral bug looking thing this is. Uh, does anybody want to talk so about cool. the first moments on the ship on the event horizon itself? I mean, the cathedral, can, like, that's just such a cool looking thing. It's and awesome. <laughs> I like my one thing is, I guess it's like because it got fucked up. It's like there's a lot of flickering lights in this movie in general. And yeah, I don't know true. what the reason is for it, but it has like a very like spooky haunted house lightning feeling. Yeah. Even though there's obviously no lightning in space, but space is that lightning. like space there's lightning. space lightning? I don't know. I mean, there's like clouds. There's like ion storms, probably. There's kind of like <gasps> space so lightning cool. in the movie, right? Like they, they're driving through those like space clouds or whatever, and it's all fucked up. And then they're like, where is it? We can't see it. Oh, my God. And then it just like appears like right in front of them. That's really good because they're in like a gas planet, right? They're in Neptune, like or the outer. Is it in Neptune? I guess that's or is it just in like a question, big cloud? Right? It's like, well, Neptune is just gas. So. It's a little unclear whether or not it's like <laughs> this is Wait. Neptune or this is like cloudy shit right outside of Neptune. I also I could question. not tell you what the like uh-huh. borders of a gas giant planet. Okay, that's what I would my question was. Yeah. Like, okay, wait. For a gas giant planet, is this it just it's all gas? Yeah. Yeah. Is there no solid anywhere in this even in the center? I don't think so. How does so it's all you just could just go right through? Uh well, no, I mean the gravity, gravity. would crush you. How is, um... It's in orbit around Neptune. Okay. Okay, they're in orbit. It's okay. I mean, it's okay. Like, obviously, this movie is not, like, actually based much in scientific facts. No, I... I, Yeah. I just don't know how things work. It's okay. Yeah, I know. Space is fucking crazy. Space is Listen, you shouldn't feel bad. Space is nuts. This movie is about how space is fucked up. Yeah, Um, it is fucked up. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, like a gas giant is just like a big ball of gas that has sort of turned into a big, listen, no one knows how this stuff works. It's really dense <laughs> because it's so huge. And so there's a lot of pressure in the center. Anyway, and that's it's, where gravity yeah. comes from. Yeah, because gravity is just mass. It's uh, So it can how, be gas gravity? Yes. Well, all, everything has, 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 gravity is like a relational force, right? Um, so like larger objects exert more gravity on smaller ones. I think I don't it's know. Quite, okay. All right. So there's the weak nuclear force and there's all <laughs> kinds of shit going on. No one really understands gravity. It's like, I'm just going to say it. It's like, okay. I think Einstein had the whole like layman's term thing of like, okay, imagine you have like a bed, like a soft bed and mm-hmm. the heavier and denser objects are, the more of a dent it'll make. So it's almost like you have a bed and you put like a bowling ball versus like a baseball versus like smaller yes. ball things. Yeah. And that helps you understand, okay, this this much mass and this much density means this is so much heavier. It means this makes like a heavier pocket around it. And that's how the gravity like exerts its force around things. Yeah, everything so when- exerts gravitational forces on everything else. But the bigger something is, 
you know, the less of an effect other things will have on it, right? Yeah. So when bodies are just knocking around and exploding, is that gravity or is that deep like space hell? What bodies? You know, there's just like guys floating around and exploding. (laughs) Oh, well, the guys are floating around. I think that's just because something there's there is. uh, There's not gravity. So they're floating around. Well, I think zero gravity. This is just every we're always talking out of our asses right now um <laughs> but like yeah they're just floating around because there's no sufficiently strong gravitational force to like keep them rooted to something right that's why okay why, I ex- why do they explode uh because space magic i think so okay, in that cool. case where there's a body this is a really great moment actually like they're exploring the ship and it's really creepy so there's no artificial gravity artificial gravity is a thing that doesn't actually exist but it, it exists in like a sci-fi world right where they can control right. gravity there's like it's a like magic us. thing that you can just yeah. make the floor gravity yeah so they have magnetic boots and that's why they're walking and she uh it's um at the med tech uh, woman played by kathleen quinlan she encounters Mom. a body it scares her a little bit and it's just floating around because, again, there's no gravity in the ship. She's just in her space boots that have, gra- you know, have, like, magnetic shit in them. And then it explodes because it was frozen. Like, there was no heat oh. or gravity on the ship. Oh, and so, oh, right. if you yeah. immediately take, like, a frozen thing and it falls really fast and really hard, it would, I mean, it wouldn't explode with, like, a gas explosion, you know, like a like a big flame or anything. But it would, that would happen. It would just crack open and go everywhere, basically. So well, like, that was our science lesson where we just sort of tried to explain <laughs> the basic fundamental forces of the universe without any real knowledge of how they work. Listen, folks, Wikipedia is free. It's free. <laughs> look it it's up. free. Listen, you can look it up. Uh, you can go to spaceplace.nasa.gov slash what dash is dash gravity, and it'll explain to you for children like us. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah, it'll explain what, really is chil- what is gravity. Space is fucking cool. It's the coolest thing. I can't tell y'all something very special. I wanted to be an astronaut yeah. my entire life. Like you would be I was such a, a little good kid, astronaut. You'd be a great astronaut. Danielle, you would be such a good astronaut. Oh my God. Thank you. Thank you for saying this because I think so too. And I actually looked into what the requirements were and it would really help. You either need to be like a military pilot or like a really great PhD scientist. Yeah. And yeah. Okay, but anyway, but I would be a I great like astronaut, could... and I have a point, uh, I promise, that I would be a great addition to this crew. I you think would. I could yeah. be a good rescuer uh, with me- medical technical skills. I also am a science fiction expert, so I would know the signs of when space madness starts to set in and when yeah. things start going evil. Now, I'm not saying I would survive. This is not what I'm trying to say here. I could be fooled like anybody else. I could be tricked. I could be killed by an evil, malevolent force of hell, like just like anybody else. I'm just saying, I like this crew. I could, I could, you know, I could be a real, this is my interview. This is my job interview to be a part I of the I think you could <laughs> be a, I think you could be an astronaut. I think you could talk NASA into letting you be an astronaut. Like, you like, you know, when you do an interview for a job you're not actually qualified for, but you like are so charming and great that they hire you anyways. This has never <laughs> happened to me, but I fantasize about it a lot. Um, yeah. <laughs> like that's yeah. Like you're you would look so cool in an astronaut outfit. Do you have an astronaut Thank outfit? Thank you, you have very one? much for my actual birthday. I am getting a gi to do jujitsu in that is NASA themed and orange like a flight suit. So. <sighs> It all ties together is all I'm saying. It's all about me and my birthday. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, it's your it's your birthday week. It's important. You know, but I guess to get back to one of my favorite movies of all time, uh, we we like one thing this movie does well, especially in these early sections, is it gives you a lot of information and a lot of vibes and a lot of great aesthetic stuff happening while also really moving fast. Like we are on this ship. We are exploring it. And Justin accidentally triggers the gate itself within what 15 minutes or so 15 20 minutes like we're Mm -hmm. really moving we're really kind of going forward with it this sequence where justin goes into the engine room and sees this cavernous cathedral-like space with the fucking lament configuration of an engine (laughs) like moving in circles everything is greebled and has like weird texture and spires it's very, I want to give a shout out here briefly to um, the Faculty of Horror podcast because they did an amazing episode on this movie and also Sunshine. They did like a two-parter on these like existential space horror kind of movies. 
And they talked a lot, I won't go into this too much, but they did talk a lot about like very Catholic conceptions of, of how this is very cathedral-like and how the movie deals with like Catholic guilt and how guilt is a thing that really motivates both Miller and Weir. Uh, and they both are kind of like opposite sides of the coin. Like what Miller does with his guilt is like very positive. He's able to like uh, like correct his mistake in a lot of ways and help other people and so on and so forth. And Weir just falls like victim to it. And so there's this very like christian uh read of the movie that's super interesting um i i also think it just works as like a cool space movie but i love i love that it does i love that both reads are possible but what happens is justin walks in and he's an engineer so he's you know kind of allowed to be curious here this is a new type of engine it was an experimental prototype that cuts a hole in space time and it it kind of functions as a gate to anywhere in the universe so this is untested technology this is you know a lot of fear of the unknown kind of stuff is happening and justin reaches his hand in to go into this portal which is opening by itself which it's not supposed to do but it does do the thing and he goes in and every, like all hell breaks loose, I guess, kind of literally, right? Um, everything just kind of goes wild. This triggers the event where Cooper has to save him. He gets him out, and Justin is catatonic. And now we know that this ship is fucked up. And it also creates an accident where the Lewis and Clark is badly damaged, and everybody has to go on the event horizon, which of course also feeds into whatever this malevolent energy is. There's people here to kind of feed on and feed on their minds and feed on their fears. So everything starts getting spooky. We see a lot of apparitions. We see a lot of, it's not really clear if they're kind of ghosts or, I mean, it is clear that there are physical manifestations. People aren't just seeing things. Uh, They are experiencing things physically as well. Uh, But this is start where we start to really do that cool haunted house and space stuff that you were talking about, Merritt. Yeah. I love when the explosion like fucks up the ship. And I forgot that that happened because when I was rewatching it, I was like, well, like, okay, yeah, you're going to investigate this ship and whatever. It's just like kind of spooky, but it's as far as you know, it's just a ship that got lost. Yeah. As soon as stuff starts going bad, it's like, I wouldn't be on that ship. I'm sorry. I wouldn't be on there. <laughs> but but how would ha- you go? How like, where do you go then? Well, no, no, no. But but here's the thing is um, the that explosion that like takes out uh, the Lewis and Clark's. Um, that like ruptures the hull that -hmm. forces them to leave that's very much like a oh our car broke down in the middle of the woods late at night and the only place to go is the spooky haunted house and it's like okay so they have a reason why they have to go in there now and it sucks it sucks so bad and you know that they're all gonna get fucking killed but like (laughs) what's their alternative just die like they they don't or just like go into space this space here is basically like the woods right it's like effectively just death um you're just wandering out into the night to die so like they don't have a choice they have to go onto the event horizon and like that sucks so hard and like when i was a kid watching like and i saw movies like this this is the stuff that scared me the most is like the the dread like the knowing that shit is gonna get so bad and like the anticipation of like no don't go on there (laughs) but like they have to and they know it like, that's the thing that's so good about this. Uh, as yeah. You're saying, like, just like, this fucking it. sucks. I don't want to do this. This ship is fucked. <laughs> like, I hate this. <laughs> and then we're all the while is like, no, but science, we have to reclaim the ship. It's so important. It's like a dinosaur. Or something. Uh, he's so great here because he's like an evil Dr. Grant or like not an evil Dr. Grant, but like. It's very much just like a things man was not meant to know kind of story, yeah, right? Yeah. Of like man's hubris, like, oh, we invented a spaceship that fucking gives the middle finger to the laws of physics. And we didn't think that anything bad would happen. And one of the characters at one point actually is just like, what did you think was going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Smitty. Like, you, who the like doesn't want to go on the back. Ship. <laughs> it's bad. You should not have done this. We were not supposed to do this. Um kind of being the voice of reason here and like i love that as it goes on like all these characters who for the most part are like you know it's sci-fi right and they're like oh yeah we've invented spaceships that let us like travel uh incredible distances and like survive in space and all this stuff so like science is basically common sense like 
our, our mode of moving through the world. And then they start to encounter stuff that it's like harder and harder to explain in those terms until they're finally just like, oh, this is like literal, like literally hell. Like the, <laughs> yeah. the literal Christian hell <laughs> is where the ship went and it's trying to bring us back there. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like my only, honestly, there. I only have two negatives whatsoever about this movie. And one of them is that it's very sad that we, that it was cut so hard and oh then there God, wasn't yeah. like a director's cut because I want to see every, every, every the footage image. is gone. Yeah. It's, it's really such sad. a fucking tragedy. So There's really like, whenever sad. I come across a movie like this, it's just like, oh my God, why? Maybe they'll find it. Maybe it's somewhere. Maybe. And like, a, maybe it's in some little. Like, because they thought all kinds, there's all kinds of stuff that pops up. Yeah, that's true. Maybe, like, someone will be going through the Paramount archives one day. Yeah. And just be like, what's Event Horizon full cut? What? (laughs) What's this? My only, like, and it doesn't keep me from enjoying the movie, but my only, like, criticism whatsoever of, like, the existing movie and not the, you know, incredible cut we never got is that they didn't go a little a little bit more existential with it. Like, saying the whole thing about, like, oh, it's been to hell is, like, oh, I get it. I get it. And that's fun, and that's cool, and I like depictions of hell. But I feel like it may have been, like, a little bit stronger and a little bit more sci-fi and a little bit more, mm, like, a little less schlock if they went with, like, an existential thing of, like, okay, we clearly there's some intelligence at work we don't understand. Clearly there's some, like alien force here that we don't understand that we just don't get and this is how it's like appearing to us which i guess would be like the sphere effect because that's literally what sphere was about that movie and that book which i also really liked and actually they didn't come out too far apart i think sphere was like really early 98 um Hmm. because i had one of my famous danielle birthday parties where like myself and 10 of my friends all went to a movie and we watched sphere for my 14th birthday that's so cute. So you you would have preferred a Hellraiser one to a Hellraiser yes. two here. Yes. Even though mm. I love Hellraiser two, like don't get me wrong, I love Hellraiser two, and I love a good uh, depiction of hell in movies or you know any kind of media. Like I like that. I find it interesting. But for this, because it's so sci-fi and because it's so dealing with the unknown, like it's very explicitly like we're dealing with the unknown and like uh, you know forbidden knowledge kind of thing. For me, that would have been a stronger choice, but it's a minor nitpick. And again, I like, I love this movie. I love every frame of this movie. So, <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. So I want to bring up the, the thing that I alluded to earlier at this point, because we're talking about how the ship goes to another dimension and it seems just like hell. It makes the crew, the first crew have a weird blood orgy where they're all, fucking but also like gouging out each other's eyes and stuff so cool so in the uh, okay oh are you gonna read the script because i love this part uh no i wasn't gonna read the script why what uh there's like a great excerpt of the script that is like describing the blood orgy where it's like a man and woman fuck and like of course it's like in all caps because that's how you write like roles and like it's a man and woman fuck as she bites his neck like bites his neck off or whatever as he continues to thrust and then a man eats his own arm and like there's all these what? like there's always that one guy things. at the orgy just eating his right. own arm right there's always that fucking guy. like uh, ronald can you chill there's always you that know. one guy at the blood orgy um no what i was gonna say is that there is a popular fan theory yeah and it's not even i don't know if it's like a fan theory so much as it is just like a, oh that's interesting that this is a prequel to the Warhammer 40,000 world. So for people who don't know, which is like normal people, um, Warhammer 40,000 is like a sci-fi game that has been going since like the 80s, I want to say. It's like a tabletop game, but now there's like books and video games and like all kinds of stuff. And one of the central aspects of that universe is that there is another dimension called the warp. And it's inhabited by basically demons, um, but they're all chaos demons. And like, so this dimension is totally unpredictable. It changes based on like emotions and whims and stuff. And it's ruled over by these chaos gods. And um, it's a bad place to go. 
Um, and it sucks. Uh, but it's useful because if you go into the warp, you can come back into regular space at like a, a different point. Right. So, okay. so that sounds like event horizon it's, to me. Yeah, yeah. It's event horizon. But if you do that without protection, what happens is basically what happened in event horizon is that demons possess your ship and your crew goes insane and bad shit happens. So in Warhammer, what they do is they basically have like, like their ships are these giant cathedrals that are covered in like seals and like religious iconography and stuff. And they have these like psychics that are just like connected to their God emperor back on earth. And uh, because they have all the shielding, they're able to travel through the warp without getting et up by demons. And so stuff still goes bad a lot of the time. And also in that universe, sometimes like if you read a book, a demon can possess you. Or if you get too mad, a demon can possess you. Or if you're horny, a demon can possess you because oh my gosh. There, are, there are gods of um, like anger and knowledge and uh, horniness uh, and decay. But um. So yeah, people are like, this is like a Warhammer thing of like, they went into the warp without protection and they got fucked up. And if you, uh, there's like a whole bunch of articles about this where people have written about it, but um, Philip Eisner, who wrote the script in 2017 said, uh, I played the shit out of 40K. So it was definitely an influence conscious or otherwise on Event Horizon. Wow. (laughs) So that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's kind of rad. I I love that. I love the unofficial universe <laughs> connections. It's very very good. Um, Thank you for the Warhammer explanation. Yeah. I never knew anything about it other than it just it has little guys. It has little guys. <laughs> Honestly, it's kind of kind of fun, kind of cool. It's very like grim dark, sometimes to a ridiculous degree. But the idea of just like, oh yeah, we all travel in space and stuff, but it really fucking sucks, and we have to like pray to that, our it, that rules. We have to pray to our space god. And if you like ships that look like cathedrals, let me tell you, look up <laughs> Warhammer spaceships, Battlefleet Gothic. What if I just get really into Warhammer? What if oh, that's my new my thing? God. Every few years, I think about doing it, and then some Let's of my it. friends online are like, "You should," and then I'm like, "No, but I, I don't, I can't, I can't." We should just do Is that. It knowledge we should just that get shouldn't be known. Super into it. It's yeah, it's forbidden knowledge. It drives you insane. <laughs> with the little guys um you become obsessed with painting little guys <laughs> and then you have a blood orgy and it's i bad. really want to paint little guys yeah, though. that sounds really fun that sounds maybe we should paint little guys together let's paint little guys okay. i think like blood orgies seem very cool but i'm not a blood orgy guy i'm more of a painting little guys okay guy. well let's talk about little I, guys off podcast because i feel like okay i've been thinking about Great. this for a while i haven't done I Fantastic. since i was in like high school but i've never painted a little guy in my life well there's a first time for everything, whether it's painting yeah. a little guy or going to space hell. Right. I did find the section you're talking about, Danielle, in the screenplay. And like your uh, recollection of it is almost spot on. You almost word for word said Are it. Are yeah. Behind him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> content warning for blood orgy that I'm about to read. Yeah. Skip forward like a minute. I don't know. Behind him, a man and woman fuck covered with blood. <laughs> she bites through his neck. His head lolls to the other side. She buries his face in the torn flesh as he thrusts into her again and again. Dot, dot, dot. Wow. I haven't read that in several years, so I guess it just made such an impression. Uh, I mean, it's a very, it's a, sure is a lot. That sure is a little paragraph there. Yeah. So I just love that man and woman. Fuck. Like it's like this. (laughs) I didn't even know you were allowed to say fuck in like uh, a paragraph thing, like outside of dialogue in a screenplay. You know, you can say fuck. Who's going to stop you? Yeah, right. It never occurred to me that you were allowed to. Anderson can do anything he wants. (laughs) Especially after Mortal Kombat. Especially after (laughs) Mortal Kombat. Yeah, he was golden after Mortal Kombat. And that's actually uh, sort of part of the origin story of this movie is basically after Mortal Kombat did really well, uh, a bunch of people were like, oh, please direct this, please direct this, please direct this. They asked him to direct the sequel to Mortal Kombat, uh, which he turned down wisely. (laughs) Uh, They asked him to direct X-Men, which he turned down. And of course, we all know who got that one. Um, Imagine a better world. Oh, right. And uh, 
he wanted to make an R-rated horror movie instead of another PG-13 movie. So he um, he got this script and uh, was was into it, but the initial script was much more like Alien, and it was about a cruise mm. ship, not like a weird experimental huh. spaceship. So he rewrote it uh, to be less like Alien, and um, and didn't and you know took out uh, this sort of monster figure and wanted it to be more like The Shining or The Haunting. Uh, which is is pretty cool. Um, also, some people have said that there is an influence of uh, the uh, what's his name Tarkovsky film Solaris. Oh, Solaris, yeah, which I haven't seen, but uh, I think Ebert uh, noted that he was one of the few critics who I think had some positive things to say about it because this movie did really poorly, yeah. uh, which is yeah. really odd to me. Um, yeah, same. It. Cost $60 million to make. It did not recoup its costs. It made $42 million at the box office. And I I guess I just don't... To me, this is like the 90s thing, almost. Yeah, 100%. In terms of its bad reception. And it's since become kind of a cult favorite. But, like, give it more time, and I think it's going to become, like, even more popular. Yeah. yeah. It's aged very well. Obviously, some of the... CG itself. Maybe I don't know. Not, I mean, maybe not, for the most but... part, I think there's no, yeah. because there's no monsters to like look corny now. Right. Right. Like all of the effects are just like that coolant stuff that's floating around, which like, yeah, it's kind of like weak CG, but it doesn't really, it's not there for much. And then everything else is just like fucked up looking people, which like yeah, still looks scary. Yeah. Yeah. It's still really terrifying. And they did a lot of actual great practical effects too. Like they used models. Like the spaceships look amazing flying around. It actually so looks fantastic. Cool. It's model it's like traditional model work, so it's fantastic looking. Um and the set design. Oh, I could I could never stop talking about the set design and prop design in this movie. It's so good. I, I also just wanted to mention, especially as as the shit hits the fans super, super hard here in the movie. One of my all-time just favorite depictions of a really, like, absolutely paranoid and fucked up medic is definitely uh, <laughs> is definitely the doctor that uh, Jason Isaacs plays. Uh, where, like, he's always wearing a stethoscope, whether or not he's, like, anywhere near an actual emergency. He has his little, like, EMS, like, vest on, and he is, like, ready to cut somebody's throat when when things like get a little heated like dude has a scalpel and he's ready to go and also let's just say he introduced himself himself with the word trauma like and everybody kind of laughs at it and everybody's like yep that's that's our guy he you want him around when you bleed but also he is absolutely unhinged um love that for him and uh just generally love like the fact this is like kind of a crew of EMTs and rescue people and that it's fun and it's fun to like see that in space because you don't see a lot of it. You don't really see much like emergency medicine in space in movies uh, to like any degree. So, yeah, got to throw that out there. How much I enjoyed uh, that little portion there. Um, we kind of barrel towards uh, some really terrifying shit here. And I wanted to ask, I wanted to like bring up a little segment here. I want to do a new segment on this show. I'm just introducing a new segment here. A brief segment, I think. But I want to ask. Both of you, what is your favorite scene in the movie? Because my favorite scene is coming up right around now. And so, like, I want to ask, what's your favorite scene? I like all the parts where you see the cool set being all going like. Yeah, yeah that's all the parts I like. Yeah, like locked together and like the rings Yeah, it's just move. cool. Oh, yeah. It's good shit. I like all the parts where I like to look at it. Like, I don't have, like, a favorite scene scene. I It's more like a, oh, look at this chunky guy. Yeah. Look at these weird, it's just, ah, oh, so fucking cool. Yeah, that's my favorite scene is all the parts where I get to see the ships. Hell yeah. I'm also not, like, a big ships person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, okay. I'm not, like, I love sets uh, in movies, but, like, in, maybe as I get older, like, I just watched the Star Wars prequels, and, like, there's some really good ships in that. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. in general, like, I'm not somebody who, like, pogs out about spaceships in movies, but, like, these ships just fucking, I just love everything about them. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my favorite. Uh, Merritt, how about you? What's your favorite scene? 
God. Or thing. We can widen it to like a thing that happens, like for sure. That's all good. Yeah. Yeah. Um God. Uh yeah, I just like Weir's gradual just like breakdown. Yeah. Um just culminating in him blowing up uh the uh the Lewis and Clark and then gouging his own eyes out. <laughs> Yep. And uh, just menacing the remaining crew with like a spear gun or something. He kind of becomes a Cenobite. (laughs) He does become a Cenobite. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) I mean, it's Space Hellraiser. It is kind of just Space Space Hellraiser. Yeah. Yeah. He's like the doctor in the second movie, except without a weird (sighs) big dick coming out of his head. Right. Um, Right. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That part didn't carry over (laughs) for sure. I would have to say my favorite scene is the scene I remember, again, like, crystal clear. I remember the, like, space exploration, like, oh, exploring, you know, how the engine works scene from when I was 13. And I will also never forget the scene where Justin sort of wakes up out of his stupor and tries to leave the ship without a spacesuit. I think it's one of the most, like, queasy, intense, like, anxiety-provoking sequences in a movie like this. So he goes into the airlock as he's still in his, like you know, demonic, possessed stupor, whatever is kind of going on. And he starts a sequence to, you know, just leave the ship. He just wants to go away. And he's he's not, you know, uh, in his, uh, with all of his faculties, let's say. And he, he starts to close the door and three crew members are working so hard to try to recover him and try, try to get him out. Uh, and, and Peters, I think is her name. She is trying to talk him down. She's mama bear. She's trying to talk him down. She's baby bear. You know, open the door, open the door. And he locks the door and the siren goes off that like, oh my God, we have an emergency. They get Miller to start coming towards him. And that like wakes him out of his stupor. And he's like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. He's so scared. And Miller is like, it looks like he's swimming because zero G, uh, you know, if you're running around in a spacesuit, it looks kind of like swimming. He's like going towards him at full speed. And we have this like awful, wonderful sequence where decompression starts to happen to Justin and he needs to be rescued in this like dramatic fashion. And then of course, like they, they bring him in, they bring him into the airlock and he's, he's barely surviving and he's bleeding and all this terrible thing is happening. Somebody put a note in here that is actually like a fairly accurate depiction of what uh, decompression might look like. And yes, yeah, scientifically you would, you could survive at least a few seconds of it. Yeah. Like you wouldn't I die mean, immediately. Miller gives some good advice, right? He's like, um, shut your eyes, exhale. and sh- Yeah. You have to, you really do have to blow all the air out of your lungs. Otherwise, or else they will explode. They will just yeah. pop. Uh, so against every instinct you have, you have to exhale. Uh, and then, yeah, curling up in a ball, I guess, would help too. But um, It helps him catch him, I think. Yeah. Uh, to like, oh, he's like a little mass and he's going to like fly into him and then fly into the airlock. So it's like, all right, I'll catch him if he's like this little ball, basically. or I can, Or maybe that's like a way of... Hmm. I'm not sure about the ball part, maybe. I, I was guessing, but yeah. It's just such a good sequence and like well edited. Everything in terms of the production works for it. And it also like under you know, underpins that theme of like these are competent people. Like these are people who are really fucking good at their jobs in terms of like rescuing and saving people. And they kind of go to work on him. The doctors go to work on him immediately as he gets in. And it's like that actually looks like what a like a difficult trauma scene looks like. That actually was like very resonant for me as like oh yeah that's that's what it looks like obviously i don't i've never done a explosive decompression i'm not like a nasa doctor but like (laughs) that's what a a trauma scene looks like like people yelling but calmly and like moving really fast and things are happening and they're just working to save somebody and it's like yeah man um it's really really good shit so that's my favorite scene something i will never forget i never forgot it even from being very young and watching this and being like yeah oh my god that's so scary why would he do that oh shit (laughs) um we move into the kind of last third of the movie where it's like action fest like a lot of bad things happen they're happening fast uh again this movie is very highly paced and it kind of does come down to a final showdown uh between miller uh and weir again as the two kind of sides of the coin of people who are carrying guilt uh, where has fully succumbed to the malevolent force and his guilt. There is a scene that I guess also might, uh, I think it is a little misplaced, uh, where he encounters Claire 
uh, and encounters the way she died and like kind of faces yeah. the guilt. And that's what does cause the, the eye thing. It's a little misplaced. It's also the only scene in this movie that's like brightly lit. Just the weird. clear stuff. I don't like any of the stuff. With yeah, I don't think it's great. I don't think it works. Sorry. Go ahead. LB. Go for it. No, that's it. That's all I have to say. It doesn't, yeah. Like, yeah. that's my thing. It's like, I don't, I'm, I'm not into it. Like, I don't want to see that. Yeah. Uh, like, there's like a, like this, yeah, it's just, I'm not, I'm not feeling it. But I do have a question though. Yeah. Um, both times I watched this, I understood the proceedings to be that Weir built the event horizon spe- to be a, like, spe- like on purpose to be a limit configuration. Huh. Is that not what happens? I never read it that way. I always read it as he is just like a scientist fumbling around with things you shouldn't play with, you know, the laws of yeah. physics. Oh, okay. I think you could read it that way. Um, but to me, at first, he's just a, an excited little boy who has created some new thing and doesn't realize like how fucked up it is. Okay. So what I always thought happened was he is feels terrible that his wife so her, basically the the deal is like he's so busy being a science guy that his wife has nothing else in her life, I guess, right. than yeah. being Mrs. Weir. Yeah. So she's like, I have nothing to live for. Um, and then he's like, no, I want to be with my wife. So I'm going to build a lament configuration spaceship that will take me to that will take other people to the hell dimension. And then I will go on a rescue mission. <laughs> With it, so then I can also uh, go to Hell Dimension. That's what I thought happened literally both times I watched this. Gotcha, gotcha, but gotcha. maybe that's not what happens. Because also, like I mentioned before, I have never watched this movie like in a fully... I mean, if that were his plan, why wouldn't he just be on the ship the first time? Mm. I thought... Maybe like you just need to do like a big cool sacrifice thing. I don't know. I don't. Uh, I've never. I've never opened a portal to hell. Right. 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 Yeah. Like yeah, it did seem like a very elaborate plan with like a lot of moving parts. When when you could just like open a little puzzle box on Earth. Right. Um. But I'm not a physicist. <laughs> Maybe like that's just how he had to do. I don't know. But yeah, that makes sense. He would have just gone the first time, probably. But it's still not like, I don't think it's made explicit either, especially with this cut. Like, there were scenes preceding, the, like, in the script, yeah. there are scenes that precede this that give way more of the backstory. Oh, and, okay. Like, there's, like, an he's admiral. The, so he's just a, a normal guy. Like, not normal, but, like, well, like, a, normal. A and, normal little physicist pervert who made a, yeah. a, a bad, cool engine. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, but yeah, okay. like, again, this cut, this is like super cut down from what it originally was. So like, who knows? Like, maybe there was other stuff, too. I'm I didn't like, know that. I feel a little better, but that I've never quite understood what happens to this. Yeah, like, no, please. Like, and just kind of vibes to it. Yeah, I, I think that's also extremely valid. And also like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff cut. So don't don't feel bad. Honestly, don't all the stuff bad. of like people encountering their like hallucinations and their terrible fears, though, I feel like is really well done. And yeah. Yeah, it just, I don't know, when you were talking about, like, how it holds up, I feel like a lot of why it holds up is because the scary stuff is, like, very personal and very human mm-hmm. until we get to, I mean, I guess it doesn't get much more personal than Blood Orgy, so. Yeah, that's the most personal thing you can do with you and yeah. seven of your best friends, you know? <laughs> like, you and se- seven of your favorite crewmates, which, by the way, there is, like, a little flirtation between Cooper and Stark at the very beginning that is cute because they survive, right? Like, yeah. they have their flirt moment with the coffee and the middle finger and, like, there's that, like, kind of energy there that I actually, again, love because it's like, oh, it speaks to, like, these people actually being genuinely friendly and they like each other and they are, like, they're co-workers, but they're also, like, there's some warmth there. It doesn't just feel like yeah. random people who are stuck together. They're like, yeah, all right, I'll, okay. I'll take the thing that's black and hot, whatever. Like the whole, st- you know, it's like this funny little kind of flirtation. And they end up surviving. Miller sacrifices himself after making sure he does not let another person go. Because that's the whole thing about his guilt that he had to, to save the rest of his crew, he had to let somebody die. And they died in a fire. It was horrific. And that's what he keeps seeing. Uh, so he refuses to, like, uh, let go and and save Stark and then saves, you know, the other survivors by sacrificing himself in this big explosion at the end where he has a big showdown 
with, you know, Cenobite wear, <laughs> which by the way, really hard for me to say where it is so hard. Where that R is, is very difficult and I'm trying, but if I say where, that's what happens. And I'm very sorry uh, for everyone, but yeah. And then we get the sort of ending sequence, which has a teaser. There's a nightmare, which we did. It's like a throwback to the beginning of the movie where, uh, where, oh, God damn it, it's so hard to say, or where kind of has his nightmare vision at the beginning of being in his gravity couch. And then we have uh, Stark surviving, having a, a nightmare sequence. And then there's that like kind of double take, like the end, you know, uh, question mark at the very end when they are rescued by their own rescue crew. Uh, so the rescue crew is rescued by the rescuers. And then we end and then Prodigy <laughs> Prodigy starts playing and we get techno and we get the credits. And I always feel like giving my own damn self a high five after that, because what a fucking movie. Uh, yeah, it's it's really good. Uh, thoughts on the ending. So the the survivors are Cooper, who, by the way, I, I kind of always read like he is the least messed up at the end because he spent the least time on the ship. Like he's off in his space suit, oh, okay. you know, that fixing everything. And he doesn't spend much time on the actual event horizon. So he's almost like the least infected, I guess. Whereas, you know, Justin's very fucked up because he went all the way into the gate. And Stark is pretty fucked up because he was on the ship most of the time. Uh, but yeah, any any other thoughts on the, on the ending and I guess the composition of the survivors here? Uh, yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy for them. Happy they all made it. Uh, I think Justin's going to need a lot of therapy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, from yeah. having been to hell. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, Miller was uh shown the sights by uh by weir but he died so he's fine yeah does unclear, he go to actual unclear hell? if you go to right. hell when you die <laughs> right or if it's just like hellraiser where it's like a place you go if they get you right which is not the christian hell because the christian hell requires judgment of some kind like, you have to be judged for your sins. Again, sorry, lapsed Catholic, but, like, you have to be judged okay. for your sins, right? To go to hell. You have to be, like, bad enough. Or you go to purgatory where you got to wait for a while. Or you go to heaven because you're really great and good. Like, does sacrificing everybody mean, like, oh, you get to go to heaven, bro? Like, sacrificing yourself. I feel like Miller right? gets to go to hell. Like, I yeah. feel like, like, he's good. He's, he's a good yeah. guy. So hell is he's a, a blood guy. orgy. I think purgatory is, like, um... The piss uh social like they're not no one's like <laughs> fucking or anything if you're just kind of like standing at urinals pissing like waiting just, like waiting around you know and socializing and then heaven is like the i don't know what fluid or activity you're doing there but ah uh, like heaven's gotta be like a like spit? i don't know maybe i think of heaven as Spitting being very contest? innocent it's like a kissing party you spit so you see who can spit further Yeah, heaven's now, a kissing is... party. Heaven's a, a space kissing adventure. So Just, heaven spending is eternity Effect? playing spin the bottle. <laughs> yeah, that actually does sound like hell to me. That would be hell. To me. <laughs> yes. Right. Well, it has to be personal, right? Like this is somebody's. Yeah, your own personal uh, space Jesus. Personal space Jesus. Yeah, I think we're. Uh, I think we, we're. We're we're we spinning it. out in a space here, yeah. much like, yeah. uh, much like Cooper. But we're gonna get back on track, much like Cooper did when he used his oxygen to rocket back towards the event yeah. horizon. And I think we're gonna rocket towards the end of this episode. Yeah, I think you're right. I love I this movie. Right. I'm so glad y'all enjoyed it. I was actually very afraid that like I would be like, "Oh, guys, watch my favorite movie with me." And then you'd both hate it, and I would sit here like a sad child at their own birthday party that somebody threw up on my cake or something. I'd be, like, really upset about it. But I'm so glad you both like it. So y'all made my day. Thank you so very much. I'm going to read our little outro text. Uh, Also, go watch Event Horizon in honor of my birthday. 
for everybody listening. Everyone, thank you so much. We do hope you enjoyed uh, your cinematic journey with us. Please do go ahead and rate and review our podcast because it helps us so very much. It keeps us out of podcast hell, really, uh, which we appreciate. You can tell a friend or you can listen to all of our shows at fanbyte.com slash podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Fanbyte Media, Instagram, and TikTok at Fanbyte. And of course, on fanbyte.com. You can watch all of our excellent streams on twitch.tv slash fanbyte, including Merit Souls, which is Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 7.30 p.m. You can go ahead and join us. And join Merit and LB and Farfield from church, which is beautiful. Thank you so much to Paul Tamayo for producing this show, uh, making us sound good. I appreciate that very much. Thank you so much, Paul. And Merit, where can we find you online? Uh, I'm at Merit K on Twitter. Awesome. LB, how about you? I'm Hunk Tears on Twitter and also Hunk Tears on Letterboxd. Oh, fantastic. Also, yeah, it's like same, right? Merit also. I am also on Letterboxd. This is true. <laughs> fantastic. Uh, I am on Twitter at Danielle R.I. If you want to uh, say hi, uh, tell me how much you love Event Horizon. That's always welcome. And oh, yeah, definitely. If you find the lost footage for Event Horizon, definitely at me. Yeah, let I us know if you have it. <laughs> You've been sitting on that for, you know, 20 plus years. Please just let us know. Thank you all so very much. And with that, we would love to see it.